0: Hi friends, I'm so excited to be back here with you today. We all have this deep desire to belong, to be known, and we can't escape it. It's how we were created. We were created to be intimately known by the one who made us, by our creator God. But when that need to belong, to feel a part, to feel known for who we were made to be isn't met, we can get ourselves into some deep waters. That's when insecurity rises like the tide. That's when we make decisions we wouldn't normally. When we seek acceptance and approval from the world around us. When we want to be liked, to fit, to just be normal. I've been thinking a lot this week about Leah in the Bible whose story is told in Genesis 29 through 35. Talk about a girl who just wanted to feel known and seen. She wasn't Jacob's first choice. She wasn't even on his mind. She had to have felt so rejected. The loneliness she must have lived with, I'm sure, cut into her soul so deeply. And yet God loved her. Leah was sad. And God saw her in her rejection and cared for her. But notice, he didn't change her situation. He didn't take away her problem. She competed with her sister for her husband's attention. When the attention that she truly needed and would have actually satisfied her would only come from the Lord. And then the Lord cared for her. He gave her six sons and one daughter when her sister Rachel struggled and struggled to get pregnant. Not only did he give Leah sons, but he chose her as a woman who would stand in the lineage of Jesus through her son Judah. The Lord honored her and he noticed her. When we consider the character of the Lord, We see him time and time again choosing those people who are the least likely to do great things. The least of these, the ugliest, the least talented, the smallest, the youngest, the oldest, the people without the right skill set, without the experience, the ill-equipped, the barren, the shortest people the people with the ugliest past, and the Lord uses each of them to do incredible things. And he is glorified in all of it. Can you see it, my friend, your story? Can you see your story written on every page of the Bible? We are written into every story in the Bible. The Lord sees us. He sees us in our grief in our barrenness, in our loss, in our rejection. He sees us and He deeply cares for us. He may not change your situation today or answer your prayers like you thought He would, but He will indeed hear you and respond. Our time here on earth is very linear. Time passes, we remember our past, we live in our present, and we dream about our future but the Lord is outside of our earthly time. He's in our past and in our future and here with us in our present at the same time. He's numbered our days and he knows what's to come. He's working out what we cannot see because he knows the end of our story. We don't see the results we want or things we've prayed for have yet to come to pass. Oh, how discouraging it can be. We can lose hope. We can feel depressed. We can feel overlooked and forgotten. But my friend, listening to this today, wherever you are, I want to encourage you to trust that there are things in the works for you that you cannot yet see. And hear me when I say this. I'm speaking this to myself just as much as I'm speaking these words to you. There's just so much I don't understand about this life we live on earth. When I think about the vastness of our creator God, that I serve the God who is king of the entire universe, that has numbered every star, that knows every grain of sand, every created thing on the planet, I remind myself that I must trust the God who made it all to be working out my problems in ways I cannot see. And I remind myself of how God has worked it out for me in the past. I purposefully have to tell myself the story again and again of how the Lord has shown up for me when I didn't know how the story was going to unfold. And here's the truth. You ready? The truth is packing up into an RV in 2021 and moving across the country wasn't anything I ever wanted to do. It wasn't a choice I made because I wanted to. It was a decision I made because I didn't feel like I had many other choices. And yet the Lord was working out something so beautiful for me. Here we go. Rewind with me <laughs> to 2021. On the outside, our lives looked incredibly adventurous. We sold our dream house that we had just bought eight months prior, the one I loved. The house I couldn't believe I was actually living in. We had all the right things. I was the suburban mom with the white SUV, the house, the friends, the kids, the doodle. And yet, my marriage was falling apart. My husband had been laid off back in 2020 and returned to freelance work in that season. He was starting over in a new niche of his career. We couldn't afford our lives. Twelve years a therapy in and we were still just struggling to stay married like scraping by crawling when was enough enough my husband's lifelong battle with PTSD and mental health surely was never going to end was I just a fool for staying in a relationship so incredibly unhealthy for so long surely things would never change I had no reason, no reason to believe they would. And it was now or never, that April of 2021. Do the big and scary thing because you're so desperate for your life to change or continue down the same road knowing things might not ever change and the reality of what that would mean for your life and your children. I sat there and pondered these things on my bathroom floor. And you know what we did? We did the big and scary thing. We took a huge risk. I never wanted to leave. I didn't want to leave my friends, my community, my homeschool co-op, my children's best friends, my family, my home, my job that gave me so much life and purpose. And then I went and did something wild I didn't want to feel like a victim I didn't want to feel like all these things were being taken from me And so I bought an RV <laughs> I know crazy One day when my husband was out of town I bought an RV The girl who had been tent camping twice in her life who had never camped in an RV who really didn't even like being at all I went out and bought an RV for my family to live in I wanted my kids to know where we were moving to when we left our home in Washington I wanted to be going to something and not to feel like I was having everything I loved taken from me I wanted when my kids laid their head at night to be consistent I wanted to buy into the idea that stuff was just stuff and I didn't need it all. So we sold almost everything we had and loaded up our RV and silverware and 10 week old puppy into an RV. And I thought it would all feel so right. And you know what? It didn't. It felt painful, really, really painful. I grieved in a way I've never grieved before. My body burrows. I sobbed, and I couldn't make the tears stop. I was terrified, but I knew our lives in Washington weren't working anymore, for many, many reasons. I grieved the life I thought I was going to have as I sat in the backyard of our sweet friend's property in an RV in the dumping rain by myself. And y'all, there's a steep learning curve to RV life. One I wasn't prepared for. Especially when you don't have full hookups. There I was frozen in an RV with my two kids and puppy while Jeff traveled for work. And conveniently the electrical stopped working the weekend we all moved into the RV. The What have I done to my life? Feelings were flowing like a river. I thought I had just blown up my life. And I had, in a way. But sometimes you've got to blow things up to really begin again. I needed a different life. And I was desperate for things to change. The idea was that we would travel full time with my husband to his jobs all around the US, seeing some awesome things and road schooling along the way. We wouldn't have to be apart so much. We'd get in the sunshine and drive off into the sunset in search of a new life. It all sounded so lovely from the outside. Jeff and I had never been the best friends type of couple. I wouldn't say we were friends. Sure, we had our moments, but he wasn't my best friend. I had best friends, and they weren't Jeff. They were back in Washington. But I prayed we would become friends. And slowly, ever so slowly, we did. And two weeks after we pulled out of the driveway, I found out I was pregnant the open-ended adventure we set ourselves on suddenly and abruptly had a timeline. We would need to find a place to have this baby eventually. The next nine months in the RV were filled with so many great adventures. So many core memories were made, but they were also filled with fears and loneliness like I've never experienced in my life before. There I was pregnant, and feeling so utterly alone, torn between the emotions of elation and pure excitement at adding another human to our crew and the fears of all the unknowns that lay ahead for us. And now the pressure was on (laughs) to get my marriage in good working order, or so I thought. I bought the relationship courses online. I read all the books as I usually did and had been doing for 12 years, praying that maybe this course or this book would actually help us. I tell you all of this after we had spent thousands of dollars over the course of the last 11 years at that point trying to have a healthy relationship. Thousands of dollars on therapists. Back in 2020, we had to graduate from the entry-level type of therapist and see the therapists with the extra, extra letters behind their names because our issues were that bad. Your regular therapist was ill-equipped to handle us. We had stuff, real, heavy, hard life stuff in our pasts. In many days, it all felt like mountains that could never be moved. In March of 2022, we landed in Columbia, Tennessee, this small southern town I had never even heard of before. My friend Endula was moving to Columbia two weeks before I would have my third baby. I thought I would park my RV at her house, have a baby in her house, stay for a couple weeks, pack ourselves back up again, and hit the road. Off we would go on another adventure with a third baby in tow. And God had other plans, as he usually does. A rental house became available two houses down from my dear friend. We moved in and had a baby three weeks later. Well, As some of you know, my home birth didn't exactly go as I thought it would, and the Lord knew I needed to settle in and let my body heal. And you know what's crazy, my friend? As my body healed, so did my marriage. I had no capacity to work on my marriage in that season. I had a newborn, and I was recovering from a really, really rough postpartum hemorrhage, And you know what happened? As I surrendered everything I thought was going to be and just embraced my current reality, slowly, slowly, things changed. If I look back on my life, time and time again, I see a pattern. Every single time I take my hands off and let God do what he wants to do in my circumstances, they change. Can you tell I like to be in control? I'm a recovering control freak, friends. My entire life story could be summed up as a girl learning to let God take control of my life. For some reason, though, it takes me getting to a place where I physically just can't anymore. Where I'm just so done that I finally relinquish the reins. When I finally let go, God does exactly what I need. When I write a book someday, the title might go something like this: I'm done learning to live a life of surrender. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Because although every time, every time I think I can do it, I just don't get it quite right. I miss the target, and God and his loving kindness towards me, waits so patiently for me. He waits, he listens, he hears my tantrums and my pleas and my desire for change. He listens to me go on and on and he waits and he sits with me. He waits for me to get it all out and eventually hand over the reins of my life to him time and time again. And y'all, hear me when I say, it's so good to lament. We've all felt loss and grief and fear and despair. And we've all cried out, how long, Lord, from the depths of our pain. When we're feeling gutted by sorrow that feels like it will never end, what do we do? We lament we express our fear sorrow or regret listen to this psalm of david in psalm 13 O lord how long will you forget me forever how long will you look the other way how long must i struggle with anguish in my soul with sorrow in my heart every day how long will my enemy have the upper hand Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat saying, we have defeated her. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me this is lament. Lament is a stepping stone. It's a step on the path toward healing and wholeness. I don't think we can fully heal without lament. Just don't let your feelings stop there. They've got to keep on moving. You've got to at some point move your sorrow to worship. God is looking after you and he's looking after me. Jesus sees your ocean of tears, and he is asking you to trust him with your tears. What begins as a problem must eventually end as a praise. Ask for the Lord's help. Call out to him. He will answer you. Share all of your messy emotions with him. He's big enough. He can keep track of all your sorrows. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all our comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. The entire time I was grieving and lonely, sad, and unsure about what was ahead, the Lord had it worked out for me already. And the Lord doesn't shame me or you when our emotions get ahead of us, who we can't see beyond our circumstances. He doesn't sit back and resent me or think badly about me because I was sad or lonely or afraid. He just loves me. I just can't help but think, wow, Lord, you had all of this waiting for me. You had friends waiting for me in Tennessee. You had a beautiful church community. You had a homeschool tutorial. You had a place prepared for me to have my baby. You had work for my husband. And you had a life for me. You wanted to give me this whole time. And I tell myself this today because the next time I want to remember that God always has good things for his kids, even when we can't see it. God is working out for us everything we need. My friend, I say these words to you today, and I pray your faith grows just a little bit more. If God can do this for me, he can do it for you. If you're a pregnant mama listening today, I know that you want a smooth and complicated birth experience. We all do. I know you want this. The real question is, how does this happen? I'd love to be there with you as you navigate this journey in pregnancy and birth. Remember, no one is responsible for your birth experience, but you. You're gonna have to own it. And you can do this, my friend. You are powerful and you have control over your birth choices right now. You can walk down the path to lead you where you want to go and set yourself up for success and then just rest, knowing Jesus is in charge of all the rest. I'd love to come alongside you on your pregnancy journey. If you're interested in learning more about my online birth course, head to www.yourbestbirthcourse.com and check it out. Use the promo code PODCAST at checkout for this special prize I offer only to my listeners. If you're ready to get started on your journey toward a rewarding birth, I've created a free guide just for you called The Four Keys to a Positive, Rewarding Birth Experience. Head on over to EliseMarsh.com and click on freebies and you'll find it waiting there for you, my friend. I pray you've been encouraged as you've listened today. It's an honor to me that you'd invite me into your day. Have a great day, friends.